great to have all of you here today. It's Super Sunday. Uh, we began the, the year talking about how to make 2015 a different year for us. And we started about, we, well, I, I did three messages about st starting strong. And we talked about being strong <clears throat> uh, physically and, and the importance of making our, our bodies a temple that God can use and, and taking care of this temple. We talked about being strong spiritually and about how to, to resist uh, letting um, the, the pop culture of today, you know, kind of set the standards and the values of your life. And then we talked also about being strong in, in, fin in finances and how establishing your life on the Word of God financially will lead to a lifetime of financial blessings and strength in your life. Well, today I want to take us kind of on another three-week journey, and, and I've entitled this portion, Staying Strong. So we had starting strong. Now we're going to talk about staying strong uh, because all of us realize that it's not just always how you start, it's how you finish that really matters. And so you, you have to make a commitment to staying strong as well. And of course, we know that today is Super Bowl Sunday. And like I said, I'm really trusting the Broncos are going to win today. But uh, uh, unfortunately, that's not going to happen. But at any rate, you know, it'll be a fun game. I have to tell you the truth that Two of my least favorite teams in the NFL are playing in the Super Bowl, so I have uh, a hard time deciding which one to root for. I'll probably just sit and watch and not care who wins. But uh, at any rate, you know, some of you are Seattle fans. Some of you are New England fans. And, uh, you know, that, that's great. One of the things that we realize about pro sports and the NFL in particular is that, you know, you, you have to be gifted uh, at birth with some, some extraordinary talents and abilities. That's why we are astounded at what they do. I don't know if any of you saw the one-handed catch. I can't remember the wide receiver. It was, a, it was the Giants. Uh, it was about you know, three or four weeks ago, and he's in the end zone, and, the, and, and Eli Manning throws the, the pass, and the guy jumps up, and with one hand, he catches it solid, Adam is the most spectacular catch I've ever seen in my life. You know, one one-handed catch, and and you we just marvel at things like that because most of us are not able to do it. That's why we're watching and they're doing. You know, but the thing is, you, you have to be you have to be skilled. You have to have abilities. You have to have some talent and some giftings. And and if you're going to really excel in pro sports and have a long career, you've got to really commit yourself to a rigorous uh, sacrifice of physical training to keep yourself at the peak of your game, both physically and mentally. You have to do that if you, if you want to succeed in pro sports in America today. The same thing is true in your life spiritually. If you want 2015 to be a different year for you, in your spiritual life, then you're going to have to make some strong commitments to make that happen. But not only will you have to make the commitment to it, you are going to have to make the commitment to, you're going to have to keep the commitment. Let me put it that way. Not Anybody can make a commitment. It's the keeping of the commitment that is so important. Now, people who have long careers in pro sports have made the commitment to staying strong. They have made a commitment to that. In fact, I found it interesting that Peyton Manning, uh, his greatest year as a quarterback 
was, was a year ago, last year, uh, where he broke the single season uh, touchdown record. And this is at the end of his career, but it's because how, how do you do that after 16 years? It's by staying strong. Uh, you, you, you don't just start off strong. You've got to stay strong. And, you know, the thing is, I've noticed in Christians who have the victories in their lives and the ones that are overcoming and, and they have a great testimony and great spirit in their life are the people who have made the same kind of commitment, not just making the commitment, but they're keeping the commitment as well. They're staying strong. Now, here's the truth. We talked about financial breakthrough in your life, but you are not going to have financial breakthrough in your life just by following God's principles once financially. You have to decide that you're going to do that over the long haul. You're going to be faithful in your commitment, the commitment that you made to God, which means that you fulfill that commitment to God when it's easy and when it's tough to do it both. Your circumstances don't dictate how you live. You live regardless of your circumstances. You do that, God will give you financial breakthrough. The same thing is true spiritually. You won't be spiritually strong just by occasionally, you know, oh, I have an extra few minutes. I'll sit down and read a couple of verses of the Bible. That isn't going to work. I have a, you know, I prayed over my meal. That's good enough. That isn't going to work. If you can't make a commitment to be strong in God's word and in, and in your fellowship with him in prayer, then you will never see 215 be the kind of year that you want it to be. So whether we're talking about success on the football field in any endeavor in, spirit, in professional sports or if we're talking about success in your spiritual life, you've got to stay strong in your commitments and fulfill them. Now, many of you made a, a significant commitment to God to, to start strong a few weeks ago. And, you, and it was the, from the depth of your heart you, you made that commitment. And I want you to know that every victory, every, every positive thing that happens in your life starts with a strong commitment. Everything starts there, all right? You made a, a strong commitment spiritually. You made a strong commitment to God financially. You made a strong commitment uh, uh, in your life physically. It starts with a strong commitment, a strong desire to do something, to make a change, and the commitment to do it. But you got to follow through. And the fact is, some of us probably have already faltered on the commitment we just made a few weeks ago. And some have even given up. Okay, I knew it wouldn't work for me. And, and you've given up. Whatever you wanted 2015 to be, you've already given up on it. Because it isn't happening. It didn't take place as quickly, the transformation didn't happen, you know, by Tuesday afternoon. And so you're ready to just walk out on your commitment. You've tossed in the towel, or at least you've been really tempted to do that. Why is that? Why is it that we can give our best intentions to something and yet end up not fulfilling on those, those uh, intentions? I suppose there are a lot of reasons. But really, it gets down to this. It's the battle that all of us face in life. It's the battle between what we are and what we want to be. 
And so here you have what you are, and here you have what you, what you want to be, and everything in between is the battle. You know, will I go from here to there or not? And in most cases, we make the choice on that. Did you know that the Bible is real honest about that? In fact, if you were to sit down and say, who are the, who are the greatest of the apostles? You know, to me, probably, I would say the apostle Paul. He wrote most of the New Testament. What a, a, a tremendous mind he had. What a tremendous impact he had. The, the greatest of all the apostles was the last of the apostles, and that's the apostle Paul. And so you kind of put him up there on a pedestal like you do with most of the great men and women of faith in the Bible. You kind of put him up there on a pedestal, and you put Paul up there on the pedestal in the New Testament sense, and, and you say, this guy probably never had any problems, but he's the one who admitted to having problems and facing the battle between what he was and what he wanted to be. He talks about it in Romans 7:21. He says, I have discovered this principle of life that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. You been there? I sure have. Well, welcome to the human race. That is typical of all of us, and it's even true of Christians. We want to do what's right we want to follow God, but we end up doing the opposite of what we really want to do. We end up being different than what we really wanted to be. So whether we're talking about you know, weight loss and getting yourself in shape physically, or if we're talking about you know, getting yourself in shape financially or yourself in shape um, spiritually, we all face this battle. Now, Paul goes on to say in Romans 7, verses 22 through 24, he says, I love to do God's will so far as my new nature is concerned. Let me just pause right there and say to you, if you don't know this, um, when you give your heart to Jesus Christ and you invite him into your life, the power of God's spirit comes to live within you. Uh, in fact, Paul goes on in 1 Corinthians 6 to say that we actually become the temple of the Holy Spirit ourselves. So our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes to live within us. So what that brings is a new nature to us. We have this new spiritual nature that we did not have when, when we, before we knew Christ. We didn't have that capacity. Now we've got this new spiritual nature in us. Some of us make the mistake of thinking that because we have this new spiritual nature in us, that the old sinful nature, the thing that wanted to do all the things wrong, that wanted to go back into drugs, that wanted to, uh, you know, do whatever. You wanted to be sexually immoral, whatever. All of that stuff w went away. That we no longer struggle with that. Because we got this new nature where, you know, and we talk about 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says that we're a new creation in Christ. So I'm a new creature. I'm a new creation in Christ. So I won't do any, I won't even want to do any of that old stuff anymore. But we're going to find that Paul says that's not true. He said, the, the new nature of Christ in me wants to do the will of God. But verse 23, there is something else deep within me in this lower nature. So you got the upper nature, which is the new nature of God, but you got this lower nature, which is still the human flesh that we all have. And it's not gone just because you give your heart to Christ. It's deep within me in my lower nature and it's at war with my mind, and it wins the fight and makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. 
So what he's saying here is your best intentions to be a better person, that's the starting place, but it'll never get you there. Your best intentions, I don't care how religious you are, will never get you there. In my mind, I want to uh, be God's willing servant, but instead I find myself enslaved. In other words, I keep going back to the same old sins that I had before. So you see how it is. My new life tells me to do right, but the old nature that is still inside me loves to sin. Oh, what a terrible predicament I'm in. We understand that. We've got this cross pull going on inside of us. So who will free me from my slavery to the dead, this deadly uh, lower nature? So Paul is saying that this deadly lower nature within us pulls us to do what we don't want to do. It still tempts us. It still really pulls us. And that's why we understand what he says then in verse 24. What a terrible predicament I'm in. King James puts it this way. King James Version. Oh, wretched man that I am. We understand that. I am wretched. I keep wanting to do the wrong stuff. And if Romans 7 were to stop right there, we would be in a mess. What a predicament I'm in. I'm so out of shape. I've tried every diet. I've tried every gym. I've joined Gold's Gym more times than, you know, and, and I bought the equipment. My, my house is filled with exercise equipment that never gets used. You know, that, that's true with most people. I'm so out of shape. I'm so depressed over it. People feel terrible about themselves because of it. Or maybe you're depressed about something else. I'm such an angry person. I've always been angry. I'm so angry. I'm so broke. I'll always be broke. It'll never change for me. I'm so broken. And on and on and on you could go. But the thing that's so cool about the gospel is what Paul goes on to say. It doesn't end at that verse that says, oh, what a predicament I'm in. It goes on to say, verse 25, God gives us the answer. Thank God it's been done by Jesus Christ our Lord. He has set me free. Hallelujah. So I don't live in the tension of, of what I was. I don't live under the dominion of that. God has sent me free. He's saying the answer to every single human impossibility is found in Jesus Christ. There was a song that I sung as a kid. I sang, sung, I sung or sang as a kid growing up. In church, and, and, and the words, some of the words said, Christ is the answer to all my problems. Christ is the answer. He's all I need. And so somebody came along, decided they were going to be a little smart-alecky about it, and said, well, if Jesus is the answer, what's the question? <laughs> you know, 
like making fun of us. Oh, you say Jesus is the answer, but what's the question? Well, dummy, the question is verse 24. Who will free me from my slavery to this deadly lower nature? I want to be changed. I want to be different. Who's going to free me from what I am? And he goes on and says, thank God it's been done through Jesus Christ our Lord. He has set us free. Glory to God. That's the answer. So when you base your desire to be different, when you base your desire to change on the person of Jesus Christ and his spirit and him working in you and through you, helping you, everything becomes a possibility. What I am is not what I have to be. I can be different. Even if you're in your 60s, God can make you different. Even if you're in your 70s, God can make you different. Even if you're in your 80s, God can make you different. You don't have to stay what you are. If you've given yourself as a teenager to addictions and to perverse sex and so forth, you don't have to stay in that kind of trap. God can set you free and make you a new person. If you've made wrong choices with your life and you're in poverty today, Jesus Christ can turn this thing around for you and make you a new person and give you hope and a, person, and a purpose. So the, the base of it all, the foundation of it all, is, is the person of Jesus Christ. But you've got to add to that then, to your faith in Christ, a decision to commit yourself to some solid principles of change. And there are, there are several scriptures in the Word of God that would help us with this, but I just want to look at one of them today, and it's in Romans 12, 1 and 2. And this is what the Apostle Paul writes. Brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all that he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior of the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. All right, there are three change, three change principles here that I want to give to you right now. Number one, change will require sacrifice. And this is why we don't do it, because it requires sacrifice. Staying the way you are right now is the easiest it's easier to eat donuts than to walk by the box and say no. Right? Let's be honest. It's easier to do the things that have entrapped you. But there will be, the, and so there must be sacrifice. When we say that we want to stay strong, we have to decide that we have a greater goal in mind than immediate gratification. If, if immediate gratification is your goal, then you'll have sex with everybody. If immediate gratification is your goal, then you'll eat anything. You know, if immediate gratification is your goal, then you'll buy the fastest car out there so you can beat everybody else. I saw the coolest Mustang on TV the other day. <laughs> and I, I decided to talk to Carrie about it. It is the first 1,000-horsepower Mustang produced 
Any of you see that? It, it was on that show called How It's Made. They showed how it's made. So I'm going to do that to my Harley. I'm going to turn it into a thousand horsepower engine, you know. No, but then they were talking. It was such a beautiful car. And I, so I went and talked to Carrie about it. I said, I really think God wants me to get that. And she smiled like she is now because she's such a smiling person, you know. And then she said, well, what's it cost? I said, 200000 But if you go to work, honey, I told her, if, if you go get a better job, you can, you can help me to buy that. How many of you guys understand what I'm saying? Amen. I have a lot of support out here. Hallelujah. Now, that one's not a hard one for me to sacrifice because I know that's stupid anyway. Where are you going to open it up? You know, where are you going to really make it go? You know. Well. <laughs> uh, well, anyway, I better get on with the message. That was such a cool car, though, I tell you. Wow. To overcome what you are, and this is what I want to share with you, will require that you sacrifice some of the things that you like about what you are. See, some of us, we think that when we come to Christ, what we're doing is we're giving up all the things about us that we don't like. But there are some things about you that you like, but God is going to talk to you about getting rid of for a greater purpose, for a greater good. Let me just give you a couple of for instances. Everybody likes to be popular. Everybody likes to be liked. But when you like to be popular so much that you're willing to compromise your faith at school or at work or in the neighborhood, around the family, whatever, in order to get everybody to like you and be popular, then it becomes a real problem spiritually to you. What happens that you, is that you end up with a lot of guilt because you know that it's not right before God. So you come to church on Sundays or you read, read your Bible during the week or whatever and, and you feel guilt because you're going after what everybody else thinks about you, that you want what they think and you're willing to dress in a way that makes them want to look at you but you know it's displeasing to God or you're willing to act in a way or get involved with things that are compromises, really. But you do it because you want to be popular. Now, I do want to say that you can be popular and still be right with God. Um, Jesus was very popular. Up until the time they put him on the cross, then there was nobody else wanted to be with him up there. But up until about then, he was pretty popular with the crowd. And he was pretty spiritual. But oftentimes in today's world, when we're because none of us are Christ, um, we we end up compromising in order to be popular with the with the in crowd. So you have to decide: Do I like being popular more than being right with God? It's a choice you have to make. If you choose God, you need to know that that will require a sacrifice. And the sacrifice might be that you're going to stay true to your commitments to God, even in front of your friends that will think that you're stupid and will make fun of you. 
but you're still going to hold on to your values even though, you know, that's part of the sacrifice that you will make. Or here's another one. How, how, about, how about material things? Stuff. You like the latest and the greatest, like 1,000-horsepower Mustangs, you know. You got to have it, just got to have it. The problem is the debt that having the latest and greatest is putting you in because you buy all the latest and greatest with a card. And so now you're up to your eyeballs in debt, and as a Christian person, you can't, you can't give to God, or you feel like you can't give to God. You can't afford to pay your tithe. You can't afford to give to missions or make a missions commitment because you got to pay all of your bills. And God knows i got to pay my bills, you know, and everything. But the reality is you have those bills because of the unwise choices to have the latest and the greatest. So you have to decide. Do you want the stuff or do you want to be right with God in that area of your life? I'm going to tell you the truth that back in the mid-1990s, maybe early 93, something like that, Carrie and I had been married about 20 years then, 21 years. And I just felt in my heart that our debt load was not pleasing to God. It's not that we weren't making all of our payments. We were making all of our payments. But I just felt like this was not a good example, even though probably nobody else knew about it, but I knew about it. And so she and I talked about it, and we decided we're, we're bringing this kind of living to an end. And we're going to, to start giving ourselves to the task of getting out of debt. And, you know, when you've taken 20 years to get in, you don't get out in 20 minutes. It takes some time. But God gave me a plan. And I'm not going to go into that now, but just to say that God spoke to my heart, gave me a plan, and we put it together, and we started living it. And in the course of about two and a half years, we had paid everything off. And today, we have kept ourselves to that. We do have a mortgage, but the mortgage-to-value ratio is, is so low compared to, to what the house is worth. And we don't owe another dime on anything because we have committed ourselves to that. And because of that, the freedom that that gives you to live your life as a generous person is incredible. You can give away. So what you have to decide is, you know, do you really need the new car? Do you need the latest, the greatest? Do you need the, the, the extra clothes? Um, I, I was talking with one of our young adult women before service this morning, shaking her hands. She was sitting down, and, man, her, her blue jeans were just loaded with holes in them. And I just said, oh, I'm going to pray that God will give you a raise so you can get some blue jeans that aren't so hold like that. She said, well, I bought them this way. And I said, you did? <laughs> I'm not an idiot. I know that that's the way. But I will tell you, I'll buy them cheap and put my own holes in them, and then I don't have to pay for somebody else to put the hole in there, you know, whatever. Just teasing, just teasing. I don't care. But here's the deal. You might have to choose to put the stuff back up on the shelf and not buy it. 
because your higher priority is being right with God financially. Or maybe it's a matter of your time. Um, you don't have time to read. You don't have time to pray. And you're too tired to get up in the morning to do it. And you just don't get around to it the rest of the day. And so you just don't do it at all. Of course, the reality is that you stay up really late at night in order to watch television or some movie or something. And so that's why you're too tired to get up in the morning to spend any time with God. And do you think God knows that or not? Do you think he knows that? Yeah, I think he does. And it'd be like me saying to Carrie, um, you know, I, I got to watch TV. I, I don't have time to talk to you. Well, you've been doing that for three months. I know, but the TV is more interesting than you are. Now, how long do you think this marriage would last? Right? And, I mean, now, she's not, she's, she's not going to come down and bug me and start dumping out her soul to me during the Super Bowl today. That would not be good timing. But, if to me, everything else is more important than her, where do you think this marriage is going? And, and, and if that's true in a marriage, is that not also maybe true in our relationship with God? If absolutely everything else is more important than us being with him, so maybe what we have to say, you know what? What's more important to me is my relationship with God, so therefore I'm going to go to bed at a certain hour so I can get up you know, an hour earlier and I can spend some time in God's word or, or in prayer and in prayer with him. So you have to decide what you want to do. Now, I'm not throwing these things out just to make you feel guilty because that, I threw them out because those are the things that I struggle with. They came to my mind, you know. And I can be tempted by all that stuff just like you. It's just humans. It's just the way we are. Here's the deal. You've, you've, you've got to be honest with yourself. Change will require sacrifice. And that's why Paul said, let your body be a living and holy, what? Sacrifice. That's right. All right, number two, and I've got three minutes to do two and threes. How many of you believe I can do that? Not too many. <laughs> All right, change will require refocus. You, you know what refocus is. Focus is changing the way you look at things and at life. And from time to time, you will need to refocus and get back on track to your goals because no matter how lofty your goals are and how much you depend on the Holy Spirit, through the course of time, you will lose perspective and you'll have to refocus again. That's just the way it is. In verse 2, Paul says, let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. What you think about, what you focus on, transforms you into a new person. Here's a key thing. How you think will determine what you become. In fact, God says this in Proverbs 23, 7. He says, as a man thinks in his heart, that's what he becomes. So is he. So what do you think about? What do you focus on? Let's be honest. Most of us focus on the wrong stuff. Instead of focusing on God's victory, God's faith-building word, we focus on the wrong words. And some of those words are from others, and some of those words we say to ourselves. Like, you can, you can get a doctor's report that can be very hard words to hear and get so focused on that that, in, in essence, you're, you're dead right there. 
From the moment you walk out of the office, the doctor's office, you're already gone because you're so focused. When he says there's no hope, that becomes the total focus of your life instead of what God says. Or maybe it's the debt thing. I'll never get out of debt. Things will never be different. I'll probably lose my job this year. They're laying off. We have one of our guys in the, in the oil industry, and he was talking with me. He came for first service. He's talking with me. And I said, how's the job going? He said, you know, with the, the dip in oil prices and gas and all, he said, I'm probably going to lose my job. I mean, they have laid off hundreds of thousands of oil workers in the United States because you and I are getting cheaper gas. And that's just the reality. Somebody's paying the price for that. And he may lose his job, but he said to me, Pastor, if I lose my job, God's still in control, and he's going to work it out. I'm not worried about it. Boy, there's a freedom that comes to you when you live that way, you know. Or I, I knew I'd never change. I knew this Daniel plan wouldn't work for me. <laughs> so I'm giving up on it. Or my rebellious kids will never change. They're going to never come to Christ. But you need to change your focus. That's what Paul said here. Start letting God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think, what you focus on. And you do that by making these changes to your thinking. Number one, you've got to start magnifying God over your problems. Make him, you know what magnifying means, don't you? Make it big. Something that's small, you put a magnifying glass on it, you pull it back, it becomes big so you can see it clearly. Magnify God doesn't mean praise him, it means Get him big in your life. Get a big perspective of him. Psalm 34, 3, magnify the Lord with me. Exalt his name. So you make him bigger. You make him bigger than your problems. There is nothing too big for God. Your cancer is not too big for God. Your rebellious kids are not too big for God. Your finances are not too out of control for God. If you start making changes in your life, God will change the situation you're dealing with. Number two, fill your heart with hope. When you get the bad report from the doctor, fear is normal. Don't stay in the fear. Move past the fear. Let God give you victory and fill your heart with hope. I love what Pastor Alfred said last week in our missions lunch. He said, hope defeats fear. Where there is hope, there is no fear. That is so true. So let Jesus fill your heart with hope, Romans 5, 5. His hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. And so you, you fill your heart with hope by filling your heart with God's word. God's word will destroy the fear and it will replace it with hope and with faith. Amen. Number three, speak God's favor over your life, over your family, over your kids, over your finances, over your physical body. Get in agreement with what God has said, not what others have said or what it feels like. Start declaring God's goodness and favor and promises over your physical body, over your kids, over your finances. Lord, I committed my kids to you years ago. I dedicated them to you years ago. I'm declaring their salvation. I'm declaring a turnaround in their life. I'm not going to let the devil have them. I'm declaring God is victorious over my children. Lord, your word says I am healed. I claim today your word that 
I will fulfill all the years, the number of my days that you have prescribed for me. Lord, I declare that every need I have will be met through your glorious riches given to me in Christ Jesus. You start doing that, transformation happens. Lastly, I just want to say this to you quickly, change is possible. There are people all over this auditorium, first service, this service, that would tell you this is what I was, but this is what God has made me into. Change is possible. And when you live your life giving your heart to Christ and magnifying the Lord and filling your heart with with expectant hope and with his words, speaking God's blessings over your life, change will begin to take place in your life too. But it won't happen with the first word. Well, I said something good about myself Sunday at at church, but... You know, it's Tuesday and nothing's changed yet, so I don't know. Oh, I wish I had more time. I could tell you about a victory one of our ladies had in that regard who was diligent. And, I mean, she would not give up and just declared God's promise, and the victory came to her. But it will happen as you continue to let God transform you into a new person. He has transformed millions of people. He's transformed hundreds in our church he's even transformed some nfl players i want you to watch this you know growing up in pop warner i was known as the next prodigy and i was signing autographs you know at that third grade and all these things so to have that already on you you know there was a there was a a pressure there but I thrived in those moments of that pressure I accepted nothing but you know Ellis perfection not necessarily perfection but Ellis's perfection of of getting there leading into my uh, senior year of uh, at Iowa State had another pivotal moment in my career My uh, defensive back coach comes up to me out of spring training, and he says, you know what, you're not doing what we expected of you. Once again, it kicked into me. You know what, I gotta do this. It's it's about me, and it's about proving these people wrong, again. New England Patriots call. As I'm thinking about, I'm playing all the scenarios of who I'm gonna, told you, told you, told you. For all the people that laughed at me, all the people said I was too small, and that, look where I am now, and this is for them, and all this, and oh yeah, yeah, thank you God, you know. And so that was on the side, you know. But inside it was this, this crazy battle going on. So I'm motivated not by Christ, I'm motivated to prove people wrong. against the New York Giants that night. Catch the ball, take off running. Uh, guy tackles me and I, I kind of shiver out of it. But when he did that, it, it disoriented me. And so I didn't know where I was. And so as I started up again, that guy had got right up on me. My natural reaction was to brace myself. But when I braced myself, my head went down and his head came forward from the front view. You can't tell, oh, it's just a hit, whatever, this and that. But from the back view, I mean, my neck just slinky and it just went in like a turtle and then came out again. And I'm on the ground, like limp, my, my body's all contorted. And then I said, I think I'm paralyzed. And all of a sudden, as me, as real as me and you are talking, crisis starts talking to me. 
I said, Jesus, this is what it feels like, doesn't it? And he says, yeah. He says, you have no control. Well, the trainer, I didn't realize he got down on my level and he was calling my name at the time when I was having this conversation. He says, who are you talking to? And I say, give me a second, I'm talking to Jesus. And, and, I, and I, to the depths of my soul, I believe because in that moment that I, I accepted the fact that I didn't have control. That was my moment where I, I said, you know, this, Jesus is real. Jesus Christ is real, as real as can be. Every single time, that's why he's a perfect being, every single time he didn't do what his natural instinct, his human nature wanted to do. But every time when that occurred to me, I did what my natural instincts wanted me to do, and I suffered for it. But just every day saying, you know what, I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna fight those natural instincts and do it God's way, do it Jesus' way. And like I said, man, everything's been that much greater in my life. And the, the comforting thing, it had nothing to do with me. One part of what he said there, <clears throat> he said, I, I realized that I was not in control. And, you know, that, that's the pride thing, that we think we're in control of everything, you know, and we're really not. There, there's so very little we're in control of. So Jesus just says to us, will you turn it all over to me? Will you let me take control of your life? Some people say, well, serving the Lord is such a boring way to live. It's because they don't understand what Paul talked about there in in Romans 12, 1 and 2, where he talked about the good, the pleasing, and the perfect will of God. I just want you to know that when you commit your life to Christ and you follow him, you find yourself opening up to a whole new dimension that you didn't have before. And you're going to find out what real blessings are, what real goodness is. You're going to find out there's a different level than what you've been hanging on. There's something more. And you're going to say, why did I take so long? Why did I take so long? I just want you to know that no matter where you're at today in your life, change is possible. Don't you give up on God. As a Christian, don't you give up on God's ability to keep changing your life and making you into a different person giving you victories over some habits and things that you never thought you'd have victories over. If you're an unbeliever, don't give up on the love of God for you. He still loves you. And he welcomes you into his kingdom. I'm just going to ask you to bow your heads real quick. And if you would like... Here at Life Church, we pray that you have a blessed week. Please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, or you can always go to lifechurchutah.com.